everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How We Get By. This is your host, Monica. It's definitely nice to be joining with you for another week of conversation about how we get by. This week, I sat down with Amber and I'm not going to tell you too much ahead of time. I love when these conversations unravel naturally and we get to find out who these people are and what they are about, but I very much enjoyed this conversation and getting to know Amber. It's interesting when you kind of see somebody around the community and you check out their social media and once you actually talk to them, you get to know them a whole lot better. I feel like I say that almost every week. But this conversation did not disappoint as far as that goes. But before we get into it, I actually wanted to take a minute and speak about the... Well, I should say, I guess, so Amber and I had recorded this episode and a few weeks later I ran into her and we were able to spend some time together, which was awesome. And... I mentioned to Amber something about the podcast episode and she was telling me that she was really nervous because of the things that we discussed and it's always nerve-wracking to have to share such vulnerable things that people do uh, stigmatize and I, you know, I hear this a lot and I feel it a lot every time I publish an episode I'm not exaggerating when I say I spend the next hour and a half just thinking like, whoa, what did I do? What information did I release? What did I talk about? Um, I talk about a lot of things having to do with mental health. Um, Times where I've really struggled with suicide ideation and um, times that I've struggled with PTSD. And that's really not an easy thing to do. Every time I do it, I consider who is looking at me now as the girl who talks about her PTSD or who's looking at me thinking, what are Monica's behaviors really like in real life? Um, And is the C crazy word coming out? Uh, You publish a podcast, it goes into the internet and we all know what the internet is like. So it's scary. Uh, There's that stigma there. We talk about it every single week. Somebody brings it up and I'm sitting here doing this over and over again on, on purpose and my guests are doing it as well. And it's a very sensitive thing. It is not easy. It is so not easy. Um, So many times I consider ending the podcast or I think that maybe it's not a good idea um, to be speaking about such serious things and I worry that I'm shooting myself in a f- in the foot as far as the future goes. You know, who, who can listen to this and use it against me and who can leave me out of their life? It's, it's a lot, sometimes it's irrational, but sometimes it's not. Um, so I did want to take a minute to kind of, kind of talk about that. And, um, when things get so confusing and get so, clouded as far as what the right thing to do is and how much we should discuss and what should be talked about, then it's there's no right or wrong answer. 
Um, so what I do is I, I, I always try to check my intentions on why this project is important to me. And I think it is important. Um, I think that I do want to live in a world where people can speak about the things that they go through and not have to worry about if a future employer is listening or if somebody they like hears or if their family doesn't understand. I mean, there's so many different things that you can fill in the blanks when we're talking about this stuff um, that is, frankly, kind of alarming and scary and um, maybe it's based on ego, but our egos are trying to keep us safe at the end of the day. So, um, so my intentions have always been just to, if I, it makes only makes sense to me that if I would want a stigma about something to go away, then, um, you know, we, we want people to feel like they can talk about it. And if I'm the one that has to talk about it in order to, you know, make even just a small step towards the goal of helping others feel like they can talk about it too, then I guess I will do that. Um, I don't know what the right way to open the episode is or even how to articulate what I feel um, when I release episodes and when I get scared or when I hear somebody else say, you know, I'm worried about having this all come out. Like, I'm worried about talking about this. I, I, it feels really, you know, uncomfortable and yet we do it anyway. And I guess I wanted to take a minute to really bring attention to the fact that people are doing it anyway and they're doing it anyway because they want change. They want people to be able to express themselves. They want people to be able to feel like they're not crazy because they've been through things and their mind processes things a certain way. Um, and I... I really hope at the end of the day that this podcast is doing that, um, that people are walking away and saying, wow, that person accomplished this much while having X, Y, and Z in the background and their head has been telling them this. And with me, I just leave epi every episode thinking of how amazing people are, that they're able to overcome so much and still accomplish things in their life and talk about it and form friendships and be honest about it. So my hope for this podcast is that it can continue to be a safe place where people can express themselves and can open up about the things that have hurt them in the past or are hurting them now or things that they're just kind of working through on their own. Um, that is super important to me. I often go back and forth about whether I will continue to publish episodes or I will move on to a project less centered around some of my darker moments. Um... I haven't quite decided yet, but in the meantime, I'm going to bring you this episode of me and Amber speaking about a whole lot of awesome things. Um, I'm just going to say we talked about Amber's success story. So this is how we get by. I hope you enjoy the show. Video. Okay, cool. Uh -huh. So we can... I don't know. I think I have nine eyes. Yeah, yours. I can see you. You can hear me good. We're all set. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. Just to let you know that we are recording. Um. So you are on. Um. 
being recorded, but I um, anything that you feel like you're not comfortable with, we can always edit out, or you could just let me know, and I'll write down the time and make sure it's edited out. So I just want okay. you to feel comfortable with that. But um, I know that I follow your social media, and I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit that way. Um, I guess I would call you an acquaintance. And it's been cool to see you and all the things that you're doing in the community. Um, but to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about you as a person. So um, you could tell me as little or as much as you want. I know that we're on the podcast right now, so you might not want to tell me everything, but whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, well, I live in Scranton right now. Um, my name is Amber. <laughs> and I was an Army brat, so I kind of grew up all over, mostly on the East Coast. Um, my family settled in Goldsboro, Pennsylvania, which is in the Poconos. Um, and I graduated from North Pocono High School. I went to the U for a year right out of high school. Um, ended up going into the Navy. My brother went into the Air Force. And after I joined the Navy, um, I knew that like once I came home, I, I wanted to be involved with my community and, and I wanted to get into kind of social work, but social work on the, you know, um, the macro side of it, you know, legislation and and politics and things like that. So once I got out the Navy, I moved to Scranton and I started going to Marywood. Um, I graduated from there, but while I was there, I was uh, president of Student Veterans Alliance on campus and just got really involved in um, different local veterans organizations, um, volunteering, working with different groups and things like that, and just trying to, you know, get back into the community, get back into the civilian life and things like that. Um, I'm also a mom. I have a daughter. She's three. Um, so yeah. that takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> Definitely. I can imagine. Um, well, when you, okay, so that gives me some things to work off of. So um, I guess, so did you say you went from the Navy to the Air Force at one point? My brother went to the Air Force and I went to the uh, Navy. Okay, okay. So you guys were raised in a military home. You both, is, is, is that your only sibling? Yeah. Well, I have, yeah, I have half siblings. He's my, he's the only one who we like really grew up together. Okay. And then, so you both decided to kind of follow your family's trajectory um, do you want to talk a little bit about your decision to do that? Because I feel like it had to be something where you lived with a lifestyle. Um, you said you were an army brat. I don't know how you felt about it as a child. And then you decided to kind of take that on for yourself. So <laughs> I actually did not like it as a child, um, because I didn't like moving around all the time. Mm -hmm. But when I was older, um, I, you know, I knew I wanted to serve. I didn't really know what that would look like. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to do something like the Peace Corps or, you know, but I knew if I would want to be, you know, serve my country and kind of do something along those lines. So I was going to school and, you know, I was a poor college student trying to figure out, you know, how I was going to pay for my education and stuff like that. And my brother was graduating from high school and we both talked about, you know, joining the military together. And that's kind of, you know, what happened. Wow. That's pretty awesome um, that you did that and, you know, that you were able to figure it out. Like, it's, for me, I have a lot of student loans. So it's like, that's something I kind of wish I took that route, you know. Um, so that was cool that you were able to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely. 
so that's pretty awesome. So, okay. So then from there on out, you said you went into um, the Navy and then once you were out, that's when you kind of did the social work type thing at Marywood, if, if that's correct. Yeah. And then, um, so where are you now? What do you do now? So now I am working for the city of Scranton. I am the human resource director for the city. Oh, wow. Okay. So I knew you were doing something with the city, but I didn't know that you did that. So that's pretty amazing. Um, Wow. So that's really amazing. Um, Amazing. So how did you get involved with that? How Um, did you get that job? Kind of crazy because I was, it was during quarantine and I, you know, was, I was getting ready to graduate and stuff like that. So I was starting to, you know, look for jobs and look for things that I could be involved in. And there was actually going to be an open seat on the city council. So I decided to throw my hat in for that. And, um, you know, when you do it, you interview online, basically, and it's, you know, live in front of people can watch it and things like that. It would have been in person, obviously, but COVID. Um, So that didn't actually work out. And then there was... the vacancy got filled by somebody who was on a school board. So I went out for the school board and that actually didn't work out either. But um, in doing those things, I popped on the radar of, you know, the mayor and um, we had some mutual friends in common and things like that. And um, I applied for, you know, for the job and things like that. So Okay. All right. Wait. So, Amber, you <laughs> you went for two positions like that you didn't get, um, and yet look at where you wound up. Like I don't know. That's <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting chills here because it kind of I mean, just it was like definitely the the first one. I was I was you know like I wasn't I was okay. The second one definitely hurt because um, I felt like I interviewed really great and I was really really excited for that. And I have a daughter. And um, she's in preschool and like the city just took away, you know, the preschool that was uh, free for the kids and stuff like that. So but I think it's just one of those things where like you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I I call it like failing upwards where Mm -hmm. you can fail at something like you legitimately didn't make it. You know, you're not getting a participation trophy, you know, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that it can't lead to to something else. Because if I would have gotten those things, then I wouldn't have been able to have the job that I have right now. So it's wild. Like I, I think that and it's such a it's a hindsight type thinking, because I there are things in my life very much similar. And um, a lot of times, you know, it's even like with jobs, or it could be with like relationships, anything, you know, where like something doesn't work out, and you're just so bummed about it. Um, and then something walks in and you're like, if I just knew that this was coming to me, I wouldn't have just spent the last four months like feeling right. crappy <laughs> about myself, you know. Um, but it's cool to hear you, you know, talk about that and um, to say like, you know, just to be so honest with me about these things, because, um, you know, I don't think it's any easy for any of us to put ourselves out there and not get something. No, oh, no, Espe- especially, you know publicly and that kind of was my first dealing in you know the public foray where you're in you know the newspaper and things like that so it's like when you don't get it everybody knows Mm -hmm. so I mean it does hurt it's not like it you know it didn't but it worked out (laughs) even like taking that you know one or two days and just being really sad about it 
and letting yeah. yourself feel those emotions and, and letting yourself be hurt and you know what whatever that is you know whatever your situation is or whatever and, and feeling that and then kind of saying okay and getting it together and you got to kind of move on to the next thing you know yeah yeah and um yeah, that, that's something that I think I had to learn at a certain point that you have to let yourself feel those things. Um, and there are times where, you know, if something happens in my life where I will block out a weekend and just say, like, I am going to cry or like if I want to, but like I'm giving myself that time to mourn whatever, you know, I thought it would would happen. But um, yeah. Yeah. another cool thing I think is that um is the idea that you can be put, putting yourself out there and, you know, it can be kind of perceived as a failure, but then again, like you got the mayor's attention and, uh, you know, maybe it was your persistence with some of it, you know, I don't know what it was. She saw something in you. I'm sure you both know what that is. Um, but it's just really cool to know that like, even in these things that didn't work out, somebody there was seeing you, like they were seeing what you were doing. They were seeing your personality, like what you could bring to the table and, uh, so it was not for nothing, you know? No, it definitely wasn't. And it, and it really, and it did, did, did just that, you know, um, mm -hmm. people were reaching out to me and, you know, I got to be involved in different things and it was because I put myself out there. So then people were able to kind of know who I was and a face to a name and then were able to contact me and stuff. So some really cool things came from it. So, I mean, you always, you don't always see the sunshine at the end of the tunnel, you know, yeah. um, because when I first, you know, going through the years of just being a student, you know, after getting out, it wasn't always easy. It was a struggle. Like there was a lot of times it was really, really hard, uh, especially being a single parent. So I think sometimes it can look like, you know, all sunny and rainbows and stuff on this side of it. But there was a, you know, there was a struggle behind there getting to that point. Definitely. Do you want to, did you want to speak to that a little bit more? Like what that struggle looked like for you? Oh, girl. Oh, um, <laughs> so no pressure, I, I'm but... a single mom. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're in the military, you have a really stable income and, you know, job security and things like that. So when you go out, you know, you, you're taking a big pay cut which is honestly by far the hardest thing in the whole entire world. Mm -hmm. And then being a parent, you know, trying to afford childcare and trying to figure out your schedule when it's just you around childcare and around work and around school and things like that. And it, you know, you're broke and you're trying, yeah, you're trying to juggle and figure out you're exhausted. Um, you know, so it, that's kind of the things that were going on um, while I was in school, but at the, at the same time, I am so lucky that I was able to have the GI Bill that paid for school and was able to have my disability from the Navy that also gave me income. So yeah, I was broke, but my bills were paid and, you know, I was able to still, you know, finish school and have my daughter in daycare and, and graduate. And other people, you know, don't always have all of those other options and things that I did. So yeah, I mean, I I have such a like I have just such a admiration for that. Um, like everything you just said, uh, because for me, I have a hard time like keeping up with the clerical things in my life, <laughs> um, and so I I know as a single person without any like 
kids and you know sometimes I think like once you do have a kid like you have to do those things so you do them um but that doesn't make it easy uh and so I I yeah like the other day when we were supposed to get together I could not even have told you what time it was like I didn't have my phone my daughter was sick and she had a fever so I was like dealing with her and something that was supposed to take you know 20 minutes turned into forever and then I come back to my phone and I'm like oh my gosh I I when did it get this late <laughs> yeah I <laughs> know but have those moments where you're just you know and you're the only one and the so only- then and now you're now you whatever you had planned for the day is like you can't do that either so then say you had I mean and let's just be honest like you, that was on Sunday Sundays are our day of catching up. So like (laughs) something kind of throws that off. Now you haven't been able to do the thing you were planning to do at that time. So it's just, it's a lot. So I I give you credit and uh, you're starting this new position in the middle of a pandemic. Um, How is it going? Like, how is it, how is it being in that position? Um, I mean, I love it. Um, I love working for the city. I love working for the mayor and, getting to know, you know, all the people of the area and stuff like that, it has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm walking into, you know, an institution that has been around for so long. And a lot of the people there have been there for a super long time. So, you know, I'm the new person on the block and I'm young, you know, and I'm a black woman. So there's a lot of, a lot of change with me, with me just coming in as, as, you know, a person. But people have been great, and um, I've I've been really. It's a learning experience, you know. Whenever you start a new job, it's always you're nervous because you just you don't want to mess it up, you know. And so I, but I'm enjoying the learning process with it. And I've there's some really good people that are working at City Hall who have definitely helped me and been very supportive of me, and and I'm very grateful for that. I'm happy to hear that. And how does it feel to be that? like that change like how does it feel um it feels good it feels good sometimes it it can feel like a lot of pressure I actually joked about how like if I was younger I don't know if I would have taken the job just because so many times you don't want to be that token person Mm -hmm. and I know that there was opportunities that I maybe missed out on or passed up on because sometimes I was just like I just don't feel like being the only black person somewhere right now. So, but I'm glad that I definitely, you know, grew up a little bit and and kind of try to see it as more of a positive thing now and more of something that I can bring change to and I can help, you know, bring other people in who maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity before I was there. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm I'm curious of like, can you explain what it feels like to be a token black person? Um, because I don't, know, I don't even know if you want to answer that question. If you don't, <laughs> feel free to tell me to shut the fuck up. But um, I don't know. I'm I've never been in those shoes, and so I'm just trying to find out what it's like to be in those shoes. I mean, it's just you. You know, you walk into a classroom, and so there's you know 30 people in a classroom, and you're the only person that looks like you, whether, you know, that's a woman, a man, whatever, you're just different, you know, you're the only different person in there. So that's already, you know, 
the first thing. And then, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and assumptions that people make and openly like to make and things like that. And I remember, you know, going to the U and people would say, like, you only got in here because of affirmative action or, you know, different things like that. So then you have kind of those things that you're kind of working against. And then I think you just have the added pressure of feeling like you have to speak for the whole community, like, you know, in history class, the, when you get to slavery and, you know, everybody kind of turns and looks at you like, well, oh, what do really? you say about this? Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so those are kind of the, the types of things that, that come along with it. That is, um, that would be a lot of pressure. And I also feel like, um, yeah, I feel like there, I could definitely see why there would be times where you're like, I don't want to do that. It's sad because I feel like it also depends on the organization that you're getting involved with and, uh, you know, what people are like. So I get that. Um, it's interesting that you bring up affirmative action. Uh, I, I have this moment in college that is one of my big, like, racial learning experiences, I suppose. But I, I did take a race relations class. I took a few at Penn State. And um, the one was, it, it was um, very interesting. It was, my professor did a debate, um, and she would always assign you to the side of the debate that you should be on. And the side, it was about affirmative action, and it was one side of the debate was for it, and one side was against it. And I was assigned to the side that was against it. Um, I'm a pretty, like, I, I like to argue and, you know, <laughs> took the assignment and did what I was supposed to. Uh, but I, I really will never forget it because I was fighting against affirmative action for this assignment. And um, there was a woman in my class, a black woman that stood up and whatever I said had really like struck a note with her. And she went on, um, she just, she explained her point of view. Uh, it was very passionate and it was just about how, you know, where she came from and what it was like for her grandmother growing up and why these things are in place. And um, it was, a, it was just, it, it was a passionate moment, but I felt like I learned so much from that moment. And I just left that class and thinking of like all the debates that we had and like the ways that we were assigned to one thing and it wasn't even always what we felt, but yeah. we wound up fighting over it. And those moments change you, you know, they do. And sometimes when you're on the opposing side, it you definitely have to really think through what your beliefs are and what kind of your stances on things. And I had a moment like that in college too, where it totally kind of changed my whole belief system you know i think that's what college is supposed to be about it's not it's not supposed to be a place that's liberal or conservative it's supposed to be a place where you can go and like free think and be able to find what you believe in whatever side that falls on you're supposed to be able to kind of grow up and explore and experiment and figure that out definitely and i, and I think for me it was um it was definitely like I don't, I don't want to say it was a slap in the face. That's not, the, the <laughs> for me, knowledgely, like the way that I viewed the world, just because I viewed it in a privileged standpoint as another assignment. And then I didn't even realize the emotional response I would evoke in somebody else. And that's ignorant, you know? Um, and so I think that I was able to learn about my own ignorance that day. And I always thought I was really grateful that that 
women spoke from her heart like that because um, she didn't need to. And she knew I was assigned to that side. And I knew I was assigned to that side. And I think it was telling that she felt so passionately about it that she spoke up anyway, because like you said, it made me think of like it more deeply and more critically. So yeah, I definitely agree that those are the conversations that we need to have. Um, and yeah, there's just so much ignorance that you could grow up being ignorant and not even know it. Um, yeah. And uh, sadly, um, but I think that we are learning and that's my hope for it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's my li little tidbit on it, but, um, I guess, do you, like, do you have an opinion about affirmative action while we're talking about it? <laughs> uh, you don't have to give it. Again, everything that I ask you, you can literally say no. But <laughs> if you have one, I mean, I would love, now that I'm thinking sure, about I, it. I think that, you know, the idea behind it was great. And I think at the time you really needed it. Um, I think what people fail to realize is that as humans, you know, we naturally gravitate towards people who look like us, who come from the same background and things like that. My, you know, that's not even adding on, you know, racism. But so, you know, people just weren't getting their foot in the door. They weren't getting the opportunity. So that's that's what it was created for was to give people, you know, an opportunity. And I think that it did. And I think that it worked in some ways. In some ways, maybe it didn't work as well as it could have or should have. Um, white women are the group that most benefited from affirmative action because it also placed women in the workplace and allowed women to get their foot in the door and have opportunities that they also didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's things about it that were great and that worked. And there's things that, you know didn't. I don't think it was made to last forever. And I don't think the intention was that, you know, we would still kind of be dealing with this same type of issue in, you know, 2020, where you still have, you know, people who are being excluded because of their name on their resume or, or where their address is or different things like that. So, you know, that's definitely still happening. So, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is to that and how to kind of change it, but yeah, that's, kind of, that's my opinion on affirmative action. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you sharing that. So thank you. Um, that is like helpful for me to hear. And I think it will be helpful for other people to hear. So thank you for giving me that <laughs> perspective. Um, so getting a little bit back into the show, it is based around mental health. And um, I know that you I originally reached out to you about the show because you had posted something about I think you had done some kind of research in military trauma or something of the like I lost the original post it was one of those ones that went away um <laughs> so if you could explain it to me I would appreciate that so when I was in the navy I became a def um department of defense victim advocate so basically you work with victims of sexual assault and you can also work with their family, you know, their children, anybody kind of in their immediate circle. And basically what your job is, is obviously whatever the victim or survivor, you know, wants, but your job is to be with them from, you know, the very beginning, you know, from them being at the hospital all the way up until they go to court, you know, if they want to take it that far. If they don't, then, you you know, you take it as far as you want. But you're kind of there along the way to help guide them and point them in the right direction. So when I 
you know, started doing that. Obviously, I learned a lot about, you know, sexual assault in the military. And there's a, you know, they call it MST, which is military sexual trauma. And it's basically the same as PTSD, but, you know, from being sexually assaulted. Um, And obviously, it can be from sexual harassment, too. It can be from, you know, being molested as a child. So, you know, a lot of things can fall into that category. So that is what um, military sexual trauma is. And just in researching that, and I did a lot of work with that, um, actually, at Marywood, too, just in my different classes. And there's so many other mental health issues that, you know, come along with that, you know, eating disorders and, you know, depression and anxiety, you know, mood disorders, suicide, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, all of those things kind of could, would stem from, you know, from this issue. So it just, it's, and it's something that isn't dealt with great. I mean, we've seen what happened on Fort Hood um, where you had soldiers who were filing sexual assault or sexual harassment, you know, or making those claims that that happened to them and they ended up dead, you know? So, uh, the military doesn't have a good track record of, of kind of like, you know, taking care of those things. And the, the, uh, the other side of that is a lot of the times when these victims get out of the military, they can get out for, you know, negative reasons due to getting in trouble. And then they're not, you know, they weren't eligible for benefits at the VA and different things like that. So like, uh, you know, a woman could get sexually assaulted and then afterwards gain a ton of weight. And then now she's getting processed out the military because she doesn't, you know, meet weight standards. Um, so, you know, yeah. you, that can screw up you know, how you go about with the VA and what your benefits are and what you're eligible for and things like that. So. Wow. That's tough. So, uh, how do you feel about that? Like, how, how is it, like, how is it being a part of an organization? I mean, we all have been part of organizations that are, I mean, an organization is an organization. You're going to have bad things happen. Um, but like, how does it feel to like be kind of fighting that fight on the inside and knowing that, you know, uh, some of it's a losing battle, it feels like. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. <laughs> it has to um, be. It is. And I think that honestly, you know, more diversity in leadership in the military would definitely probably help this problem. Because when you just have a bunch of older, you know, white guys making all the decisions and running everything, I don't think they always see all of the issues or see every side or maybe kind of can see a way to how to fix it or how to make it better. Because obviously whatever we're doing isn't working now. And so, you know, with active duty military, you know, they need to try to fix it. And then, you know, with the VA, you know, try to fix it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And then... What were some of the things you learned about, um, you know, sexual assault victims, like, while you were doing that? Like, I don't know if there were certain things. I have my own trauma with sexual assault, which I've uh, spoken about in other episodes. Um, You know, I never get into the details, really, of it. But it is, it's very difficult. And you speak about, like, the eating disorder and stuff. Like, I have PTSD. Um, It's really hard for me to kind of place where my PTSD comes from at this point, because I've just been through it all. Um, But I see what you mean about these, um, 
you know, different coping and not even coping mechanisms, different symptoms that come out as yeah. being triggered. And for me, it you just never really know which one you're going to get. Like sometimes I do get the eating disorder out of nowhere again. And um, it's hard because then you're treat. Sometimes people are being treated for like an eating disorder or being treated for anxiety. But a lot of times I find that trauma is like, Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I found too with, with researching things. And so I I know one of the things they wanted to try to do was like add more sexual assault questions to like just questionnaires that we would get or different things or, or health screenings um, to kind of help screen for those. Because a lot of times if you, it might not say, you know, on an eating disorder, you know, intake form, it might not ask you, were you sexually assaulted? So you need to find out if, you know, is this a symptom of a trauma from something else? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. What is, what is the, uh, you know, what is it like spending so much time with somebody who went, just went through a traumatizing thing? I mean, do you like have any, like, do you have to hold space for that person? Like, do you, like, talk to them? Do you not? Like, how does that work? Um, uh, so you always have to have boundaries. And um, I think that sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's it's hard because it's such, like, a tough situation. And there's times that I've had friends who have then kind of talked to me or acquaintances who have kind of talked to me and sometimes you, you, I kind of have to like separate the two and, you know, but I also, I'm not a counselor or a therapist or anything like that. So I always, always refer people to, you know, um, the VA that we have here has a great um, women's clinic and they have a really great uh, military sexual trauma coordinator. Not every VA has one, but ours does. So, um, if I ever feel like somebody, you know, is trying to come to me more for that, then I always definitely kind of refer them to make sure that they go to counseling or something. Cause it, it's, you know, you need to, I don't want to say like you need a professional, but you definitely want to make sure somebody has somebody who knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about to, to really help guide somebody. Cause, cause you don't ever want to like re-victimize anybody or anything like that so yeah I could see it it's a thin it's a it's a thin line and like I think that um you know not even with sexual assault or anything but I've just gone with I I've gone to therapy before and you know tried out things with like new therapists and I I sometimes I could I could see how they you can make the problem worse sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh, so it's very respectable that you say that, you know, like that you're like, no, I got to leave that to the person who knows what they're doing because you're right. Like um, I do feel like there has been time, there have been times where I've reached out for help and got something that I felt like was the opposite, but I'm sure that person thought they were helping me, you know? Right. So yeah, definitely. It's it hard. Well, did you have um, anything you wanted to share about your own like journey with mental health? Like anything you've been through in the past that you've had to overcome? So I have, you know, I suffer from um, adjustment disorder and depression and anxiety. And I didn't get diagnosed until I was actually getting out the Navy because I had, um, I had postpartum depression. So that's kind of how I got ended up getting diagnosed but I always kind of had this 
you know, um, like darkness almost, I felt like in my head, you know, where you're just not, you don't feel like the same as everybody else. Um, and it's kind of hard to explain or like, you just feel like you can't be excited about normal things that people are excited about or things like that. So I didn't really know what it was. I kind of just thought, well, that's just who I am. And, you know, as the older I gotten and now, you know, I realized kind of what it is, is, oh, well, I was depressed, <laughs> Mm-hmm. you yeah. know and, and it doesn't always like, show up like normal right. depression though no and and everybody's is different you know yeah. um but I definitely think that it's something that you know you gotta kind of work through and deal with and everybody's journey is going to be different and some people take you know a holistic route some people take medicine some people love going to therapy some people like group therapy you know so kind of whatever works for you. But I think the biggest thing for me, I would tell people is, is if you feel like something's not right or anything, you know, listen to yourself and, you know, go to the doctor and, and figure it out. Cause it was such a weight lifted off my shoulder when I found out I had postpartum depression. Um, because I just thought that I was like losing my mind Mm -hmm. and, um, and I couldn't figure out what was happening and why I was just like so upset so it honestly, it, it like gives you just this like sense of relief where you're like, okay, now I, I can know what the problem is and I can kind of, you know, deal with it and, and go from there. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, when I shouldn't say easy, <laughs> but it's good when you get like a diagnosis and then you can start doing your own research. Um, and then you, you start to read things and you're like, oh, okay. Like other people have gone through this too. Like right, this right, is things right. that they've done. Like, um, it does feel a lot less scary once you have, um, that kind of definition for yourself of what, what is happening. Um, postpartum, that's a hard, that's hard. I mean, that it like for me, I, uh, my heart goes out to people who experience that because you, I don't want to, like, I don't know if there's a stigma. I mean, there's a stigma around all kinds of mental illness, but I think, I imagine that has to be something that's hard to admit or something that's hard to come to terms with. Um, I think it definitely is. And there's also, you know, postpartum anxiety. And um, I've had a few friends that have definitely had that and kind of figured that out and things like that. So I think it's a lot more common than people think. But I mean, of course, as soon as you say postpartum depression, you know, people think to like a lifetime movie with bad sweaters and like a woman (laughs) into like a lake. Like that's what, that's where people's mind goes. And, you know, it's not always that extreme, you know, sometimes it's literally just, you know, not being able to get it together, you know, and, or get dressed in the morning, you know, or get up and shower and do your hair and brush your teeth. You know, it's those things where you're just like, you may be taking great care of your baby, but you're not taking care of yourself. And some women, it's vice versa to where they maybe aren't taking care of their baby. So it can look really different in in everybody. So I, and there definitely is a stigma to it, but the more that people talk about it and are more open about it, I think the more it would just really help people because it would help women not to feel so alone. Like I remember when my best friend was talking to me about her like postpartum anxiety that she was having. And, you know, I was just telling her that, you know, I understood and I had anxiety too. And I think it just made her feel like, 
wow, I'm not losing it. Like somebody actually understands what I'm going through. So, you know, mm-hmm. I know that I'm not quote unquote, you know, crazy or anything like that. Cause you, you feel, you can feel stupid saying it to somebody or, or talking to somebody about it. You feel silly and, you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. Cause then you just kind of hide it and you don't really do anything about it. Right. Right. I think I also think there's just a big part, and I don't know if this really lies into the, um, you know, the label of postpartum depression, or if it's more severe when you have that. But for me, there's got to be a period of adjustment when you have a baby, and like you just realize that your life is just not <laughs> what it was, <laughs> you know, like and like I don't I I don't know if people are uncomfortable saying that or or not, but you know, there's just a truth to it. Like, I mean, honestly, (laughs) there, there is so much truth to that. Not like no one prepared me for how horrible my body was going to feel for so long. Like I did not know that I was going to feel absolutely wrecked for like months, you know, and nobody, talks about that or anything, you know, in my group of friends now that are, you know, that I grew up with that are my age that had babies and we've been talking amongst each other. And I realized it's very common thing, but, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, snapback culture or what, where it's just like, okay, you're supposed to be able to just like get up and go and, and have it together. But you definitely, it's a big lifestyle change. You're exhausted. You know, women that have C-sections, you're going through a major surgery So your body has to heal from that. At the same time, you're picking up a baby and, you know, giving it a bottle or nursing it or whatever you're doing, but it's up and down constantly. And you're not, you don't really get a chance to heal, you know? So I think that's kind of what is, you know, one of those things where like, it's not talked about very often and not something that people mention. Yeah. I feel like when, when women have babies, like it's like everybody's so celebratory and like, in a way that is like makes females like unhuman, you know, yeah, like it's like, yeah. it's like, okay, you have a baby, like you should be so happy. Like you should just, and and I know that everybody is deep down, but you know, it's anything in life. It's an adjustment. It's um, you know, your life is definitely 180 from where it was before. And for me, like when I'm down or when I'm struggling or need comfort of some kind, I know my go-to things, but when you have a child, you can't go to your go-to things. Like you just can't, like you're busy feeding them. You're busy watching them. Like you're busy doing all that. So you don't even get the time to really give yourself like the self-care. So it's tough. I could get that. I mean, I admire again that you're very um, willing to speak with me about it. Um, you, you spoke also about, uh, an adjustment disorder and I actually never heard of that. So I was wondering if you could fill me in on that a little bit. I mean, it, it's basically what it sounds like is I just, um, you know, didn't adjust to things well. Yeah. Um, I just would, or handle, you know, react the right way in situations or handle situations the right way. Um, or would be you know, affected by maybe small situations that normally wouldn't really affect anybody for like a long period of time, just not being able to kind of like readjust myself and, and kind of move on with things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of try to take time to process things when they happen, because I know that I will, 
I have in the past, you know, hung on to things for so long and then kind of let it bottle up. So if I take those, you know, that one or two days or that maybe it's just an hour that day that something, you know, crappy happens and I can kind of like take a minute to try to refocus and and be in the moment and feel those feelings just to try to make sure that I'm, you know, processing things kind of all the way. It's cool to hear you say. Um, I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, like you, like I, you've accomplished so much, um, all while having like these mental um, struggles, I guess you would say, and then having a daughter. And I don't know, I like still, I don't know how you have been able to do like the work with the victims of sexual assault and your work in the military, and then you, you know, you went to school and now you're working for the city, like. That's pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. I mean, I think it's just more people with, you know, mental health issues or different type of, you know, um, I was going to say syndromes. That's not. (laughs) Honestly, like, I'll tell you what, on this show, it's like the, the language over like what we speak about on the show is always an issue. Not for like, I don't even, I'm not saying it is an issue right now. I'm just saying like for everybody who speaks about it, like you yeah. don't even have like clear concrete, like language around right. it, yeah. you know? But I think it's, I think it's such a normal thing that people deal with all the time. And, you know, for me, it, this is normal life, you know, that I've always kind of been dealing with. So I, don't feel like it's really a challenge all the way, I guess, because I'm used to it, which is probably terrible. But also it's just, you know, you have to kind of in the world and to be able to function healthy, you know, happy, fulfilled and stuff, have balance. Like you have to try to make sure you get yourself together, whether you have any type of mental health issues or not. Um, and that you can live just a normal, you know, a normal regular life. So, and, you know, that's just a try to thing I try to remember and, you know, to keep myself, you know, motivated and things like that. And just the more that I can be open and honest and talk about things, the more that, you know, other people can, can too. And the more that people will want to, talk about them and there won't kind of be that that stigma anymore yeah I mean I love that that's my goal for the show I I you know my my thought is just that we we always hear about mental uh, illness when it's something bad happening in the news but you never hear the stories of people who struggle and get through their day anyway uh, and go on to do really incredible things. So that was my point of the show. So I'm glad that you were such a great <laughs> fit for it. And <laughs> you definitely were. And I, I definitely, you know, I agree with your, your mindset. What, um, what is something you would want your daughter to know, you know, about either, you know, it could be about mental health or just the world in general. Like what, what is the value that you're really just trying to instill in her? Um, to just be who she is and to, you know, not apologize for that, you know? Yeah. If you're smart, be smart. If you're, if you're funny, be funny. If you're both, be both, you know, whatever you want to do and things like that, you know, don't apologize for, for those things. Um, especially, you know, being woman, we apologize. I apologize constantly. And that's something that I, I think about with her and I want her to also, 
you know, be proud of who she is and feel like she can do anything and reach for, for anything. I love that. That's really cool. And yeah, the apologizing thing, like I, I think there was a time in my mid twenties when I realized that I would literally bump into men and apologize. Or no, no, no. They would bump into me. I'm sorry. They would bump into me. I'd be apologizing to them and it would happen every single time. And I'm like, Monica, they never apologize to you. They bang into you (laughs) and you apologize to them. Like what is happening? Like, it's crazy. I, I think I had to like untrain it myself. It's crazy when you realize that you're like, and then you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sorry for being sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so that was something I had to learn. Um, well, did you have any questions for me, Amber? Um, how did you, you know, get into this? Like what made you start doing this podcast? Well, um, I have had my own journey with mental health. So um, I have, you know, always kind of struggled with like depression and anxiety. And um, I got like, I, there were times where I was very suicidal. So I wound up, you know, in the hospital for suicidal ideation. Um, and I think for me, I'm a very talkative person. And I, I definitely find out like that talking to people is just extremely therapeutic in itself. Um, There's such a stigma around mental health. I've definitely, because I'm so open, you know, I can see the reactions of people when they're not comfortable with what exactly I'm saying. Um, And that's always been a struggle for me. I think like, honestly, though, like it really just comes down to the fact that the conversation around mental health, especially like in the media or anytime there's any type of, um, I, I don't know. I, ju- I just see it being centered around the one terrible thing that this outlier did, right. you know, to society. I mean, there's, there's people out here taking, you know, anxiety medicine every day, just living their normal life. And you would never know unless, you know, they told you. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And so that's what I, I really wanted to move the conversation to. I just wanted to really just sit down and speak with people and say, like, like we just did just now, like, you know, like, what do you, what have you gone through? And like, what have you still accomplished? And even if you're not accomplishing anything, it's not really about like, who's accomplishing what it's just everybody really does have like their own way of managing these things. Um, And so it was an idea I had, but I will tell you that I never expected it to continue as long as it has. And I never expected to get the insights that I have gotten just by asking these questions. And, you know, I, a lot of times I start off the conversation having no idea about, you know, what a person's life is like. And at the end, I'm like, wow, like, I never would have guessed any of that. Um, And, and for me, it's been a healing thing, because um, it's difficult sharing my story. Like, you know, I, I give so many people that come on my show credit because I know how hard it is to do it every week and it's not easy. Um, but I do find that I have been able to heal just by asking like questions that are vulnerable. I mean, I struggle personally with like relationships and and what that's like and how to get into one or how (laughs) how to like take care of myself. And, um, I think it's a normal thing to really, you know, 
struggle with, but I've been able to ask so many different people, like, how do you handle that? Like, what do you do? And just the answers have been strangely helpful for myself. So I don't know. It's kind of like a project that um, I, I was like, I'll try a few episodes and it just has kept going. And I've oh, been very, awesome. yeah, I'm very, I feel very grateful that people are so willing to speak with me about these things. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it's interesting. Some people, you know, don't have access to therapy and some people do, and some people don't value therapy and some people do. And, and it's really cool to just see how everyone kind of works it out for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I and I I wish that more people had access to it cuz I'd rather somebody be able to try it and not like it and realize that maybe that doesn't work for them than to just not even, you know, be able to access it because that that is a privilege too, you know, being able to have mental health care and I'm so grateful that I had great insurance and was able to you know, get the mental health care that I needed and be able to find a good therapist that I liked and, you know, had a great doctor and everything like that because people, people don't. And I think that I wouldn't call myself a success story because I feel like that sounds very vain, but I don't feel like I'd be where I am today if I wasn't able to have those things. You know, if I didn't have great insurance and one is able to go to therapy and, you know, not have to pay for my prescriptions or anything like that. Like all of those things contributed to where I am now because now I'm, you know, a whole in a whole healthy, you know, happy place where, because I was able to kind of have those things along the way, I don't know. I honestly don't even want to think about what would have happened if I just wasn't able to do that. You know, it was such a dark place for me. Um, you know, after I had my daughter and stuff like that, that it would have just, it would have took a lot more time for me to probably, you know, get through the end of the military and get through school and, and find a job and do all of that. Who knows where I would be, you know, if I, if I wasn't able to have that care. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And, um, yeah, it's something that I, I think about often. Like, how do we, what do we do to make these resources available for everybody? My friend, she pays, I think she pays $45 a, a session. It's, and yeah. that, I just, I can't. It blows my mind because I'm thinking like, okay, well, if you're going once, a lot of people go once a week to start out. And I'm like, if you're going once a week, that's $45 a week just on that, you know? It's and insane. That is that doesn't include if you're getting medicine or anything like that. And I think, I think she told me her prescription was like $99. And so it is, you know, that takes out a good amount of the population from even being able to, you know, go do those things. It, it, for real. And, and, you know, just uh, not too long ago, I felt like I needed a more specialized type of therapy. Um, but insurance doesn't cover specialized therapy no. <laughs> um you know you're lucky if you have insurance cover any kind of therapy so um yeah and I I think it was tough it was a really tough decision for me because it was paying out very expensive out of pocket um and I I tried it and it just wasn't for me but I was just like would this be for me if I had more resources to make it for me or um, stressed about trying to you know figure out how to pay for it and just be able to like really enjoy it Exactly. Yeah, because that was just everything I did then was against that price point 
you know, like it was just like, is it worth it? Is it not? You know? Um, and yeah, I mean, I am fortunate where I do have, I didn't end up actually, the money was a problem for me. I'm like, I just can't do this. Um, and I definitely can't do it once a week. So, um, but I mean, I do have a therapist that's covered by my insurance. She's great. It's fine for me. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I am interested in the ways that it can be more affordable for everyone. Um, and I've interviewed a few people now, like from the UK, uh, which has been extremely interesting for me because they have universal health care. Right. <laughs> um, so they, 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 if I'm like remembering correctly and now it's getting away from me, but, um, they do have the, the I don't know. They, I think they said that honestly, like mental re health resources, they're available, but they're not widespreadly available. Like they're not available widespread, uh, even with their universal health care. So it's just, it's very curious to me that we can spend so much time on every type of form of health that we have. Like we, our diets, our, um, our weight, like any kind of like health issue that we have. And then we all have mental health. Like it's not, when you say mental health, you're not just talking about mental illness. It's like, we all have this type of health that we need to manage. Right. And yet it's just so looked down upon and it's so forgotten about, like none of us have forgotten about it, but our systems seem to want to forget about it. And uh, I don't know why. I, for me, it just doesn't really make much sense. No, honestly, me neither. And, you know, hopefully we'll change that. And hopefully, you know, we'll have, I think it's just going to take one person who kind of stands up and, and is an important figure or something like that to kind of be like, I have this and, you know, that's that, you know, it's always yeah. I love watching those historical shows where it's like, oh, well, this president had, you know, anxiety and he was taking medicine and it was a huge secret. Right. And it's like, how much better for the people in our country would it be if people stood up and said like, Hey, you know, I deal with this too, but I'm also a judge or, you know, a doctor or whatever. And I have, you know, this, this, and this, and, you know, it'd just be more normalized. Definitely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the point of the show and yeah, I hope that, um, you know, it comes across and that we can have these conversations. It's hard for me. I'll tell you that Amber, like I'm, Every time I release an episode, I'm like, who's listening? What do they know about me? Like future employers, like, you know, just everything. And, um, or like, even just, I, I was talking about the relationship thing. It's like, who's listening to this and like ruling me out as a relationship prospect because I have PTSD. Uh, there's just such a fear around it um, that even I have a hard time overcoming it sometimes, so. But it always helps to talk to people who can be honest. So, you know, thank you for taking the time to do that today. Oh, I well, Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I personally don't have any more questions for you, but do you have anything you'd like to ask or add or anything like that? Um, I guess I would just tell people to make sure they go vote and yeah. <laughs> make sure you're registered to vote. Um, check out PA Vets for Biden. It's a veterans organization that is, you know, going for the Joe Biden to be the next president. And one of the issues is definitely veteran mental health and the veteran suicide epidemic with 22 a day killing themselves. Um, we really need to get a handle on the situation and make sure that 
mental health care and also veterans mental health care is kind of at the forefront of of people's minds. That's awesome. And if you have any questions for me, I guess you can reach me on Instagram or Facebook at Amber Viola, um, Amber underscore underscore Viola Instagram and AmberViola.com. Oh, okay, cool. I will um, also put those in the show notes. So um, I'll make sure to link that. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah. I'm so bad at telling people where they can find me. Oh, I know. Me too. I mean, too. I'm not, I'm bad at the social media things hard for me. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just very inconsistent. So <laughs> it's, it's tough, but yeah. It's kind of like, I think it's a little bit like a job. Cause I, I ran social media for the veterans when I was at Marywood and it, it definitely, you get in kind of a rhythm, but I definitely think it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a skill, but I definitely think it's something that kind of people have to have the knack for. Cause some people are just really great at it and other people, it's just like, this is not, this is not it. Yeah. You're <laughs> right about that. I struggle. Cause I just, I, I don't know. I struggle with like the idea of how much time do I spend on this and blah, blah, blah. And like, um, for me, I always want to just delete my social media, uh, <laughs> but it's hard to have a podcast and, and, and delete your social media. So I'm struggling with that a little bit, especially because a lot of times I get interviews by reaching out to people on social media. So, um, right. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but, uh, yeah, great work, like awesome work. And thanks for everything you're doing for the city. And I just want to tell you before we hang up that I will say with full confidence that I believe you to be a success story. So <laughs> if it means anything to you to <laughs> hear you. me say that, um, I fully 100 from the bottom of my heart believe that. And uh, it's just cool to hear all the things that you've been through and where you're at now. So thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, you so for much, sharing. Monica. This has been truly great. Thank you. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, I'm going to stop recording now. So Ooh-wee. Well, there you have it. Amber Viola. Awesome. Awesome story. I really couldn't believe the places that this conversation took us that I really wasn't expecting. And Amber's honesty and willingness to answer my questions was valuable. I will just say that. Invaluable. And I learned a whole lot uh, about a lot of different things, but one of the things that I took away from this conversation the most, I think, was in the beginning when Amber spoke about how through experiences that she may have perceived as failures, not that she has or I do, but I'm just saying when, when we put ourselves out there for things and don't get them, usually we perceive that as a failure. And in this case, it was the very thing that brought an opportunity to her that changed her life. Uh, so that's inspiring. You never know what's around the corner. Uh, the <laughs> the information, the discussion about you know trauma in the military was extremely interesting to me, and um, her willingness to speak about postpartum is something that I know a lot of females go through and don't feel that they can talk about, which is a shame because people don't need to go through things alone. And so, you know, my monologue in the beginning of the episode and, and now I reiterate it, it's just that people shouldn't have to go through these things alone, you know? Um, Amber said it herself, it's so nice when you talk to a friend and they understand what you're talking about and they can 
um, you know, reaffirm that you're not alone and that you're not quote unquote crazy. Um, and that's really what I hope that these conversations do. And it's difficult sometimes to be the one speaking about it, but I know that there are people out there listening that have their own, uh, you know, mental health struggles. I think we all do, as Amber said. And yeah, I just, I, I really just hope that the conversation is uh, able to open up your mind a little bit. And um, I guess for me, my suggestion to you would be next time somebody does share something that you feel could be uncomfortable, uh, whether it's about um, something they're going through in their mental health journey or something they've been through, um, maybe something you don't necessarily understand and it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because you don't understand, so you don't know what to say. I think when we get to those parts in our conversations, it's it's natural for us to want to shut things down. But I think really learning to hold a space for another person to really articulate who they are and what's going on with them and trying to empathize with them, trying to put yourself in their shoes. Um, you know, for example, I'll, I really will never know what it's like to be the, the token black woman in a work setting. I'll never know what that's like, but I thought it was important to ask Amber, and I was really glad that she was willing to speak with me about that. So some of these topics uh, aren't really easy to bring up, and you don't really know what to say all the time, but I find that being curious and just asking people, you know, what it, what is that like for you? Like, explain that to me so I know, and then I, and then I can take that with me and um, hopefully be a more well-rounded, better, empathetic person. Well, that's my dream. Uh, if you made it with me this far, thank you so much. Thank you, Amber, so much. Uh, it's been a great episode, and I look forward to more. Um, if... Uh, uh, just the clerical stuff that I'm currently forgetting. Um, How We Get By is hosted by me, Monica Noel, an artist from Scranton. Uh, if you like what you hear... You can leave a five-star review if you're on Apple iTunes. That will always help drive up the show and get these messages out to the people who may need them. If you're interested in keeping the uh, podcast going and helping me a little bit with my equipment, for example, when you hear bad edits, it's because if you saw the software that I was editing these podcasts on, you would probably cry like I do often. Um, but... So if you're interested in supporting the show through a one-time donation, you can reach out to me either through Instagram at howwegetby underscore or send me an email at howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com. You could also reach out if you're interested in being interviewed or know anybody who would be good for it. I'm always looking for people to speak with. Um... But the single best thing that you can do for the show is simply just to share it, either by word of mouth or through social media. Uh, get these messages out to people who may need to hear them. Uh, that would be an awesome way to help the show. Um, the music that you hear in the beginning and the end of every episode is by Joe Burke. Joe's Burke, Joe Burke's music can be heard um, through all 
streaming platforms. You can find him on Spotify, iTunes. He has an album out. I think he's getting ready to maybe release a new one in the future. Not sure. Uh, but either way, you won't be disappointed by his music. Other than that, that's all that I have. I hope you have a wonderful day.